たくさんの声みたいだった。Opening chapter: The Country of Dub Talk. Past the forests of Subpurus and along the Simuldub River, our main characters find themselves in a land of anime English voice acting, be they performances of the mo most modern productions or bygone relics of the forgotten years. Our protagonists, Hardy, Jamal, Jet, and Noah, will travel the land in search of the best and the worst that the dubbing industry has to offer. Aboard our talking motorcycles and our talking goats. We will find out what the best English dubs are. Does anyone want to skip this chapter or not? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dub Talk, the one and only podcast on the internet where a bunch of anime experts talk about dubs, both past and present. Or in this case, we actually get to talk about both of those because we have the extinguished pleasure and welcome to the finale of the fall 2017 season actually we get to talk about a series that not anyone thought was ever gonna get made it is indeed a revamp of kino's journey or tabi no kino which had an original series back in 2003 but now has been remade by studio lurch in 2017 Picked up by Funimation and dubbed by them, and now we get to finally talk about this a little bit. But before we get into this,、uh, I should probably introduce my fellow travelers in this endeavor.、Uh, first, to my left is the chef and shonen master himself, Jamal. Do you know the way, brother? Come, let Uganda Nako show you the way. <laughs> this is the weirdest D and D group ever. <laughs> And to my other left, we have the goat master and the one who can make an amazing barbecue sauce on his journeys. Please welcome Spaceman Hardy. Thank you, thank you. I'm here drinking from my giant glass boot as always. That, that, is that like an extension <sighs> of like Cinderella's glass slipper? Except、uh, don't think about it too much. <laughs> well, this show is supposed to make you think, so that we're already you know losing points on that end. And and to my other 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 left, we have the man himself. We have the guy who has all of the notes for today, and that is Jet. Yeah, I don't really have anything witty tonight. Sorry. <laughs> see, see, part of a journey is you need like one normalish character as like an audience surrogate. So Jet, that gets to be you for the night. We. <laughs> And I am no a clue who I get to host this one because, as you may remember, if you watched the、uh, fall election video that we put up a long time ago, I got to host the Kino's Journey episode because I love the original series so much so that if I didn't get to host the revamp, I would probably find Lilac and take her out into the middle of nowhere and have a very, very, very long discussion with her about proper etiquette and managing this channel. But that is not what we're here for tonight. We are here to finally talk about this series.、Um, before we get into it too much, though, I kind of want to ask some questions of you guys here.、Um, did you guys actually、um, watch the original 2003 series along with the revamp? Yes, I did. It has been a long time. In fact, I have actually owned the series on my shelf. 
I did not. Uh, but since we had some time, since we had a little bit of extra time, I sat down and watched like about seven episodes of the original, so I got a pretty decent feel for it. Okay. So as a update to everyone out there watching, you do not need to watch the original to understand the revamp. Um, it's uh, it's a good series. I highly recommend watching the original, but I think you guys can clear, uh, affirm to our audience that it's not required to understand the new series, right? Uh, it, it, it's right. not required, but uh, <laughs> I'd probably put it in the rest of that one. Yeah. It's not required to watch the revamp, but it's required to understand why people like Kido Sturdy so much. That is true, because uh, if you hadn't uh, seen the original, you may have... The only other way you would have heard of it is probably reading the light novels, which haven't been licensed uh, in America. So the only other way to watch it is... Or to hear about the stories is the first series. So um, I should probably introduce what the series is about before we go any further, shouldn't I? Yeah. That would help. That would probably help. See, I'm going off of the script here. Okay, so Kino's journey is about an androgynous young woman named Kino, who, after some adventures, heads out on a journey on her talking motorad, Hermes. And the two of them have no plot, really. It's an episodic series that the original author actually said was based on the, stor the story The Little Prince. So there's a lot of one-off standalone episodes that have a lot of philosophical, political, and emotional uh, parables to them. They're episodes to make you think about stuff as she encounters lots of different countries, lots of different adventures and people, and each country is supposed to be kind of like a chapter of a storybook. So you get stuff like a country of... a country that's on tires and like the whole country moves and crushes the forest as it goes throughout the whole world, or a country where electro waves control the population, or a country of sheep. Just a whole country of sheep. Nothing but sheep. Sheep, sheep Lots sheep. of sheep. Lots of CGI sheep. Uh, lots of different things. No sheep or hard in the making well, of this episode. None. Of, no, none at all. No. Though Hardy, were, were any goats harmed in the making of this episode? Uh, I don't think so. X. Okay, that's good. That's good because you know, you know, Peter was already honest about that last episode with the, uh, you know, the talking dragon. So um, I, I just want to make sure we're on their good side. I apologize for nothing. Neither do I. So, um, yeah, like I said, the series picked up by Funimation, and, um, well, uh, what we're gonna do, uh, we're gonna do something a little special tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We are gonna talk about the original, the, the 2017 series and the original. However, to keep this nice and concise, the we will compare the new series to the old series if there's a character in the new series who was in the original 2003 series. So we can compare the voice, the English voice acting between the two of them, and then we can possibly talk about the overall direction at the end of the series, comparing the two of them. Does that sound like a plan, everyone? Sounds good to me. Like a dub versus redub. Very good. A dub versus a redub. So, let's rev up our motor ads and do this. So, this new series, which is called Kino's Journey, The Beautiful World, to keep it simple to understand, was directed by Kyle Phillips. Um, very popular name Funimation's there. I, I think I can speak her own and say we, we've all heard a Kyle Phillips dub before, correct? Yeah. Right. right. Like, uh, he, he's only directed, like, uh, I, I don't know, stuff like um, he directed Overlord, he directed Izetta the Last Witch, he directed Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, Digashi Kashi, and uh, because this episode will probably be up before this episode goes up, he also directed the other heavy hitter in the fall 2017 series, Ancient Magus Bride. Or The Ancient Magus Bride, sorry. 
Now, uh, to help him out, though, you can't direct a series without a good writer and a good assistant director as well. So we actually get two for one in the credits department. The scriptwriter for the series was a very good friend of the Funimation Club because he's been with them for quite a while, and that was Aaron Dismuke. And the assistant ADR director, who we don't always get to talk about, but in this case we do have one credited, was a lovely young lady by the name of Tabitha Ray, who uh, some of you may know from her voice acting, but as an assistant ADR director, she's done a couple of series so far. She did Morose Monacoan, she did King's Game, and one of my personal favorites from the previous year, she was the assistant ADR director on Surideri Children. But Aaron Dismuk, Aaron Dismuk, have you guys heard that name before at all? Yeah. Uh, once or twice. I, I, I'm trying to remember. Like, 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 what, what's he most known for? I can't quite remember. Uh, some, 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 some little kid at a tin can, something like that. Yeah, he's he's known for talking into a fishbowl, basically. Uh, I think, I think, yeah, I think I remember something about a, a a full metallic alchemist or something like that. Oh, actually, he's done a lot of things. Uh, he, he's done a lot of voice acting, but he's also been getting more into writing recently, too, because he was also the scriptwriter on Tokyo Ghoul. As you said, he was the scriptwriter on Nanbaka, and he was also a writer on a bit of an overlooked series from 2017, In Another World with My Smartphone. So that's a, a wide register of credits to these people who have to take all the different countries that Kino visits, give them acting, personality, basically embody the message of the country into one episode. So, Jamal, what did you think of the directing and script writing of this redubbed series? Uh, with Kyle Phillips. You know, Kyle Phillips in the past, he used to be a hit or miss kind of director, but he's been getting a lot of stride lately and really shows in this stuff. I do like what he did with the casting and the direction overall. As for Tabitha, it'll be very interesting to find out which episode she directed, actually, because I feel like... Because I've seen Surrey Dirty Children, and I think I can pick out which episode she directed based on that, which she's the prime director, by the way. Aaron Dismuke is script writing. He he tends to pull a body clinky bit with all the stuff he writes. However, I feel like in some cases, there's always at least one small misstep, because I've noticed that, like... Sugumomo, and I noticed it here where, compared to the original, I've kind of gotten used to the word Motorad, and I feel that was kind of missing from the new version, but overall, it's pretty solid. Alright. Um, Hardy, do you have similar thoughts or complaints towards the direction of script writing? Um, honestly, other than a few of the casting choices, I didn't really have any issues with it. There's some I felt might have worked a bit different. Like, I would have casted different people in certain roles. Um, as the writing goes, I didn't really notice anything out of line. Uh, one thing, like Jamal mentioned, uh, something I noticed is that they changed the names of Kino's guns from the 2003 version as well. Uh, I believe... Yeah. yeah, what were they? The Ranger and the Huntsman in one... In the, in the kind country, what happens is in the 2003 series, she's given the ranger is the gun, but then in the reversion, the one that we're talking about, it's called the woodsman. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the other gun is changed too, so it's uh, it makes you wonder why those changes were made, or uh, if it even references the source material. So it's not really a complaint, it's just something I noticed was a bit odd compared to the old one. 
other than that, you know, director wise, it sounds it sounds perfectly fine. There are a few casting missteps, but other than that, I really can't complain. Okay, because there's always the comparison between an old and a new one when we get into this, and obviously the the new creators had that in mind, and they were like, we're probably going to talk about this quite a bit, and I'm trying to intentionally not do things the same way that the original series did. So, uh, in terms of changing the gun names, I'm pretty sure it was the same way in the sub as well, so that's not such a dub change so much as the original source materials change. Now, Jet, did you have any thoughts on the directing and the script writing? Um, I don't have too much to say about the directing, other than it's pretty solid, all the performances feel pretty on point, and the tone is very consistent, which is uh, pretty good given that the show is very episodic. Uh, script is good too, and I especially appreciated that unlike cultural subtitles, this one was actually pretty careful not to use any specific pronouns for Kino. And I know that could have been very easy to write around, so I have to give serious props to Aaron Disney for that. Um, yeah, that was, yeah. yeah, that was a good point, because uh, uh, the character of Kino, not uh, her gender isn't really important to the overall series, but it's also kind of important not to... Like, I think you guys would think not point out exactly that she is female. Well, yeah, but you see, when you if you're watching this remake, you gotta keep in mind, they're expecting some people who've seen the original to see the remake, so they feel that they don't really need to do that, so. Okay. And that's, a, uh, that's a, again, yeah, that, again, the problem was more specifically with Crunchyroll subtitles, specifically that they, like, kept referring to Kido's boy, like, almost all the time which was really weird okay so yeah yeah i'll kind of appreciate that they did uh, they tried to make it a little easier for the uh, the dub performance um i'm gonna agree with you entirely jed on it being consistent throughout and that was actually a negative point i had against it because in a series that goes through uh let's see it's a 13 episode series and they visit uh, more than 13 they visit like almost 20 different countries so i would expect so a lot of variety in terms of like the the way that the characters are directed to act so that it feels like we've gone to different countries but i didn't quite get that feeling everything felt like very similar speech patterns and not enough crazy uh instances like where characters like go completely off the rails so I, i'd actually point that as a negative thing so you wanted something more like more like Europe, to where you just go to another country and they speak a completely different language, have accents and everything. I've never been to Europe, but I imagine that with a lot of smaller countries being in close proximity with their own individual languages and dialects, that yeah, yeah, I, I kind of wanted Europe. Mm, yeah, so, uh, yeah, like after actually having sat down and watched the two thousand three version, I do kind of like how that was directed. I like a lot of the performances there is that are like very distinct with each country, like it was got a different feel to how all the characters sounded. I thought that was mm -hmm. pretty neat. So it didn't really, so I'm getting that it didn't really uh, bother anyone, no one was put off by it's just a, the direction or the writing so a, far. Yeah, like it didn't bother me, but if I had to say like which I prefer, I would kind of lead towards the 2003 versus the direction. Yeah, and we can talk about that a little bit here too. Um, the, the the original series um, was is a very different animal altogether, and we can talk about this a little more when we get to the end. But uh, there, it's a lot slower, a lot less heavy on the dialogue, and a lot, I, I guess, um, more philosophical in nature. So yeah. it had to be directed differently than this one did. Um, but but w let's just try to stick on. Um, what the the Japanese were going for, and if they pulled it off well in the English adaptation. Mm -hmm. 
So, um, yeah, I, th I think uh, overall we'd say uh, you guys did good. You were given an interesting challenge, and you guys pulled it off well to the point that we'd say... Like, like, I guess the main question I come up is, do you guys think you would recommend people watch this version in sub or in English? Um, as I, I mean, I guess you're fine either way. Like, I kind of prefer Japanese keto, but other than that, like, the dub is fine. <laughs> All right, Hardy, what about you? It's perfectly adequate. Uh, I don't have anything wrong against it, against it, really. Okay. And Jamal? I'd say choose your track. Just don't dismantle it, then rebuild it like those workers in that one episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, the, those poor fools. <laughs> Okay, so we have... Alright, so on from directing and writing, let's move on to our characters, shall we? Now, um, this uh, this is an instance coming up in this bracket where we're going to get to compare the old series and the new series together because we're going to talk about the characters that are united by the fact that they're part of Kino's backstory, sort of. They're characters that are part of what Kino's personality is like, which most of the episodes aren't. They're more focused on the characters she meets in the country, but these two are all about Kino's personality. So we're going to talk first about Sakura, who is a young girl who we meet in what's called the kind country, and heavily reminds Kino of what she was like when she was that age. And also, we're going to talk about original Kino. A little confusing to keep in track of, but essentially, when our Kino, the main character of the show, was young. She met another traveler who was also named Kino, and that is actually where she got her name from. Um, so, how do I keep this track here? I'm just going to call the, the original Kino OG Kino going forward. <laughs> the original goat? The uh... original... No, no, we're just going OG Kino, that's it. So, let's see. Uh, Sakura, in the, origin in the English version is voiced by Ariel Graham. And I don't think I have any credits for her aside from, uh, she she doesn't even have a name credited for this, but she was in Morose Monokane. Just Morose Mononokian. Th th I'm sorry, thank you. Um, doesn't have a name to that though. So, so she's very, relatively new and um, I'm assuming is also uh, actually needs to uh, get in more stuff so that we can hear her in a little bit more. But one character who we have all heard in something before, one character actor, is one Mr. Chris Patton, who voices OG Kino. And if you have not heard Chris Patton before, we need to show you a lot more shows because he has been in a ton of stuff. N not just in um, uh, ADV and Sentai stuff, but also in Funimation stuff as well. He is uh, probably best known as Keima Katsuragi in The World God Only Knows. He is Ayato Kamina in Razafan. He's Suzuki in Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun. He's Graham Spector in Bakano, And he wants to tell you a very sad story. But uh, most relevant to this, he is the only actor who reprises his role from the 2003 series, because he was also the original Kino in the 2003 series as well, which I thought was awesome. They got one of the characters back for that. So, um, Jamal, what do you think about these two characters' English acting? I think Sakura did fine, even though I haven't really heard Ariel grab before. Chris Patton, on the other hand, <laughs> I don't really listen to a lot of his voice acting other than Bakuno and uh, his role of Drifters, but... So it's kind of hard to judge him as I will, 
But I think he did pretty good in both this and the original series. This is nothing. This character is nothing like his character in Bakano. That that was a whacked out character. Yeah, but those are the only two series I can recall I've ever heard of it. To be honest, I don't really listen to like Chris Patton roles. To be honest, uh, that's I, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really interesting that uh, he can he has such that range. You know, like you've only heard him in two series before, but they just both happen to be like vastly different kinds of characters. I mean, he could have been more. I just don't realize it. But uh, you thought he did well in both this series and the original. As far as I can remember, yeah. Alright. Alright, uh, Hardy, uh, what about you? What about me? Okay. Well, the original Kino's character in the two different versions is drastically different from... from What am I saying? The original Kino in the 2003 is vastly different from the one in the 2017 version. Um, he seems a lot more older, a lot more world wise and and just more like a uh, a um what's the word i'm looking for a uh, wise old soul not really wise old soul but like a, a traveled gentleman um because he's a traveler in the 2017 in the, version in the 2003 the yeah in the 2017 okay. he's like like a kid almost has a completely different demeanor about him and everything it's and i think which version of the character that you prefer, um, either or, Chris plays them very well. Um, I think I probably preferred the 2003 version a little bit more, but it was nice being able to at least get him, to, if no one else, to reprise his role from the original series. Um, as far as Sakura goes, I kind of preferred her in the 2003 because no knocks to Ariel Graham, but I just think that Hillary Haig is a better actress. Um, I forgot to mention that. Thank you. Who, who voices uh, Sakura in the 2003 version again? Hillary Haig. Right. Um, is that a name that uh, people should know about in the dubbing community? Mm hmm. Yeah, she's in like almost every uh, ADV slash Sentai thing ever, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't exactly a plug for uh, High Dive, but if you don't have it, please get a subscription to High Dive and watch a lot of old ADV stuff, because she was in a lot of stuff then. Yeah. No, it, and even not comparing her to Hilary Haig, it just... Ariel seems very inexperienced, and I, I didn't care for the performance that much. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I think. Now, I, actually, I had a similar thought to that too, Hardy, and her being... Uh, like, I preferred Hilary Haig's original Sakura to Ariel's uh, re-version in this, and I kind of uh, pinned it down to, I thought that Ariel gave her, like, a bit too high of a voice, and almost like a baby talk uh, speech pattern that I didn't quite care for. So, like, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I was like, am I am I hearing too much into that, or was that actually a little bit sounded It sounded very flighty as well. Yeah, it, it was... I'm trying to figure out, though, like, would you say that that was part of the, um, of what the original Japanese was going for, or was that just the actress not getting the character? I cannot say. I did not listen to the original Japanese. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, um, no, actually, that is what I was trying to say. Okay. Um, actually, she does sound pretty similar to the original Japanese. Like, I think she was trying to actually match the Japanese seiyu. So, um, Jet, what's your uh, impression on Sakura and Kino in this version? Okay, um, I didn't have too many thoughts on Sakura. I mean, I thought Ariel did, like, 
at Radio Gate wasn't really that memorable, memorable of a performance to me because the character wasn't that memorable to me in the 2017 version, which is the only one I got to. I didn't like that. Like, I didn't even get there was supposed to be, like, some kind of connection between, like, her and, like, you know, childhood because the 2017 version doesn't really mention that, like, at all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we need to have a talk with uh, Lurch about the order of these episodes. <laughs> if you're going to have a character's backstory alluded to, you should probably tell us that backstory beforehand. Yeah, um, okay, as far as Chris Patton goes, I mean, like, I can listen to the man sit there and read a phone book at this point, so, like... <laughs> 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 okay, and so I find him basically anything he does, and I, I mean, I like to... Fine in both versions. Like, I mean, like, Hardy, I kind of lean a little bit more towards what I saw in the 2003 version. Like, I kind of prefer the sort of, like, world weariness to kind of, like, being a little kid in the 2017 version, which is a little weird in hindsight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, Chris Patton was fine. Ariel sounded uh, pretty okay and not, like, particularly memorable. Right. It may just be that she's uh, she's still new to the scene and may just need to grow into her voice a bit more. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, like you said, I could also listen to Chris Patton read the phone book back and forward. I've actually gone back and watched some of those old Bacchino uh, commentaries, and he's on one of them. And yeah, just his normal speaking voice. I could listen to that man all day. So would you say the 2017 version of Kino is... Not as fleshed out as the 2003 version, just like that knife wound through his heart. It's not so much that it's not fleshed out as much because uh, both of them are in the show in equal amount. Uh, both in the 2003 version and the 2017 version, they're both in one episode, which is called The Land of Adults. And they serve the same function, they have about the same amount of screen time. I think the difference is um, the character designs are different for one thing. The 2003 Kino has a coat he's got um like he looks like he's more decked out and has enough equipment to take on the world whereas the uh 2017 version uh he's just kind of got like regular street clothes on he doesn't quite have all the the gear it looks like just yet which and that's probably why they told chris to give him more of a a wispier higher pitched voice that doesn't sound quite as world traveled as he did he was told to act in the original version well you missed my joke but okay I, I, I'm going full philosophical here. I have, like, a whole book here that I wrote about the differences between the two versions. Do I have to bring out the fishing pole? Yes. Yes, you do. Yes. Because we're All going right. to talk Reel about it in. Reel it in. Reel it in. There's, like, a what, there's that one uh, moment in uh, The Lion King 2 where uh, Timon tells Pumbaa, like, let me at him. Let me at him. Here, hold me back. Okay. Let me at him. Let me at him. <laughs> That's going to be these guys with me all night. So, yeah, so the consensus of this is that for these two uh, one-shot characters, uh, needs a little more work on Ariel's part, uh, especially compared to Hilary Haig. Um, but I think we're willing to give her the benefit of the doubt on her just needing a little more experience, a little more credits, a little more roles to her name to kind of grow into her acting chops. And Chris Patton is Chris Patton and will always be the most amazing man in the world. I don't, I don't always voice in Funimation dubs, but when I do... <laughs> Stay thirsty, my friend. Yeah, he's all over the place <laughs> at this point. Has he been doing stuff in California? Uh, yes! Yeah, he was in he's the in JoJo's. He was in the SAA movie. Oh, that's... Uh, in Ordinal Scale? Yeah. Now, see, I haven't seen it yeah, yet. I think, yeah, I think it was the villain in that movie, if I recall. 
Well, he's a, well, if he's voicing a guy, then he's got to be a villain, right? Because there's no other good guys except Kirito in that whole franchise. <laughs> yeah, like, like Klein sits in the background and something. That's another tangent for another day. So, Okay, everyone, hop on your motorcycles. We're going to move on to a different country entirely. Okay, now this next group that we're going to talk about, or we're going to move away from Kino from a little bit here. Um, because we're going to talk about uh, two characters who Kino has zero interaction with at all, but is, and it's the only episode that does this. This is the only time that characters get focused that Kino makes zero interaction with in both the original and the 2017 version. So, although this, this episode was not in the original 2003 series, and that is Amidst the Clouds, the episode where a slave girl is, uh, you know, miserably treated by her captors but then tragedy falls upon her captors and she goes through a bit of an existential crisis about what she should do with the rest of her life. But that is a really tough role to pull off and we need a really good voice actress who can uh, bring the best of acting to that role. Uh, does anyone have anyone who they recommend? Some Funimation actress who's the almost the best of the best in terms of female voice acting. Uh, Ben April? No, no, that, that's not right. Uh, give me another name. Um, Okay, uh, do you want, like, the whole list, or? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we'd I'll, be I'll here all fun. night. I got all it, right. I got it, I got it. Chris Sabat. Bingo, there we go, that's it. All right, let's get Chris Sabat in the, well, actually, no, he is in Pop Team Epic as that one character, so that wouldn't be too far out of rate. Never mind, never mind, I'm going way off track here. Okay, so the main character in this segment is Photo, voiced by Brina Palencia, and... In also the segment, we also have another talking motorized vehicle called So, that is voiced by Greg Ayers. Now, these two characters, these two actors, I'm sorry. Um, well, you know how these guys said we could be here all night going down lists of voice actors? Uh, we could be here all night talking about both Brina and Greg's roles, but I'll try to keep it centered down to only a couple of them, because Brina has been in all the big heavy hitters in terms of lower-pitched voice acting and Funimation, including Ray in the Ava Rebuild series, I, aka The Hell Girl in Hell Girl, Sora in O Edo Rocket, Juliet in Romeo X Juliet, and my personal favorite, Holo in Spice and Wolf. Um, and then there's Greg Ayers, which we actually in indirectly talked about earlier as a voice that, if you've heard him once, you will recognize his voice in everything going forward. Uh, some things you probably recognize him from are Ganta in Dead Man Wonderland, Kyoki, um, sorry, yeah, I'm getting my names mixed up, um, Koyuki in Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, I will edit that out later, Negi in Negima, Koru in Welcome to the NHK, um, he's also, like, this is where I know him best, he's, like, the best friend character in every key, uh, Kyoto animation series, like, uh, Canon, Clanad, and Shinobio, uh, so he's got like a really distinguishable voice, so it was kind of interesting to hear him in this series. It's like, I don't even have to look at the credits. That's Greg Ayers. Uh, uh, Jamal, uh, I know you had thoughts on this episode and this performance in general. Do you want to take my fishing pole away? Yeah. So, Brina means Brina being Brina. You can't really go wrong with her. I was kind of surprised by the whole slavery episode, but... I mean, yeah, that caught me off guard. <laughs> but I mean, it's not. I mean, because you saw the uh, the 2017 version before the 2003 series, right? No, it's vice oh, okay. versa. 
Okay, so, but, okay, because we are, there was slavery discussed in the 2003 series, so it wasn't entirely unconnected to the franchise already. Anyway, yeah, so, Brita can play a fragile, she does have those soft whispers at times, and those moments of self-doubt, and she pulled it off really well, even for a nameless girl who gets a name like Photo later on, to which she somehow hears the voice of the scooter, to which I don't understand how this world works, but hey, it's whatever. Uh, Greg is, did a good job as well, a scooter. I can't tell what type of scooter he is. He reminds me of one of those beer can scooters you see people driving around at tailgates and stuff, but... Um, if you want, I actually, um, I think, uh, Kyle Phillips actually posted somewhere what he actually is, and he, he is, I know it's a Honda That's vehicle. a Honda vehicle? I doubt is, that, but, yeah. Play. Anyway. Uh, according <laughs> to him, it, he says it's a Honda Moto Campo. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, they had some of those in the original, uh, You're Under Arrest. That was Natsumi's, uh, right of choice. I still need to watch that series. Yes, you do. Is, is that on High Dive? Yes, it is. Okay, uh, now this is officially a plug for High Dive. Go watch High... Go get High Dive. Yes, go get High go Dive. Not right go get High. Anyway, Greg is... Speaking of High, speaking of High, <laughs> Greg is did a good job using his high pitch and played this little older scooter. It's too bad we don't see much, any more of him after that one episode, but yeah, it's whatever, you know? I, I liked it all the same. Alright. Yeah, the, the, yeah. as we point out, only a couple of characters get recurring roles, so they've only got one episode to really, you know, leave an impression. Hardy, did Brina and Greg leave an impression on you? Yes, in fact, this is probably my favorite episode of the entire series. And uh, ironically, it's the one that has the least amount of Kino in it. Um, but I think Brina did this job really well. She's probably my favorite performance in this dub because of the amount of emotion that needed to be expressed. And can we bring up that oh, inhuman God. scream? Yeah. What, what was listen. that? How, how do you, where do you even channel that from? Where do you go in a mental state in order to produce I, that? I've learned with Brita, so, you don't ask I, questions. Very <laughs> true. You, you give her the microphone and you let her do her thing, right? Right. So, yeah, she was probably my favorite in this dub. Greg Ayers is just Greg Ayers at this point. I mean, it was a, uh, you know, he did a nice job at, um, it's nothing that we haven't heard from him before, so. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, my question is, how did he, how did the little motor scooter see all that going down when he was in the truck with the curtain covering? Hardy, Hardy, you're, t you're asking us to, to apply logic to a world with countries on treadmills, uh, giant, with giant lasers, and... And talking motor scooters, right. Talk, I, all of that stuff. Like it, The show is supposed to be like a storybook, metaphors for a lot of things, or uh, you know, like a parable. It's not supposed to be serious. Noah, if you can get bent out of shape over a heart-shaped guitar, yeah. that let me have this. It was supposed to be a, the shape. It's an electric. I meant to bring no this up. It's an electric guitar. <laughs> it can make any damn sound it wants. Okay, all okay, right. Um, Don't so, throw me off the cliff, please. Okay, um, so I guess while we are on that tangent, um, 
I didn't really have too much to say on Greg Aries. It was a pretty difficult role to put him in, but, um, I mean, he's totally pretty reliable, so I have no complaints about that. And I kind of like how his general tone sounded, like, very laid back, like how Herbie sounded, and I thought it was pretty nice. They kept that consistent with the motorheads, motorcycles, whatever they want to call them in this version. Um, um, and, uh... Iron... Uh, no, it, Brina. How does Brina sound? Yeah. Okay, um, so, of all the stories the show ran through, uh, the Slave Girl one was definitely the one that stood out to me the most. One, because it was definitely the best directed episode of the show, hands down. And second, because its message on pacifism was pretty well educated, which I can't really say about almost any of the other ones in this version. Um, but anyway, I'm almost always happy with everything Brina Palencia does, and sure enough, she hit it out of the park again. Uh, I can really feel all the desperation in her performance when she failed to save her captors, and uh, she definitely sold just as much of the rage when we discovered how much she, like, really hated them. And, um, it was a very strong performance for a very strong segment, and since this was the one I liked the most, I'm really glad she nailed it. Great job. Oh. It sounds like everyone really liked this episode, especially because, um, it, it, I don't know if it's because it's the only episode that does have Kino in it, and if that just makes it stand out a little bit more, or if it just legitimately is the strongest episode of the whole show. It, it's yeah, just it's one of those episodes. It's one of those episodes that yeah, kind of hits you're... really hard, which is why I believe the certain story did not make it to this version. It, it's really weird that, like you said, Jet, that we have this, this character that's all about pacifism, and that this character is the most extreme version of that we get, when you would think it would be the main character, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, it, also, Hardy, I'm glad that you mentioned the screaming that she had to do when she realizes that she has failed to save her captors, because uh, as background information, that was all done in one take. Brina did really? that first time, one take, not stitching multiple takes together, one go, first time through. That is wow. Nice. Yes. Okay, if you've got roses or flowers, throw them at the stage. That was a performance of a lifetime. Um, yeah, this uh, the entire idea of having this character being uh, an embodiment of good-natured belief towards humanity and not thinking the worst of people who have enslaved her, who have full-on enslaved her, is kind of one of those things that, you know, you kind of have to uncouple your brain from a little bit to go along with the reality of that. But yeah, Brina does really well in that, so I'm glad that, you know, she brought her A-game to this. It's, I, I don't think I could ask for anything better from her in this role or anything else for that matter. And, yeah, Greg Ayers is Greg Ayers at this point. Like, there there will never be another like Greg Ayers. You know, he's he's like Christopher Walken, you know? No one sounds like him. He's one and original, and he always does really well every time, every chance he gets. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's clear the clouds and, I guess, move on to another country, shall we? So, uh, let's move on to uh, another uh, cast of characters here. And this is one where we kind of are going to get to talk about the original, but not really. Not, not a whole lot, and you'll hear why for in coming up here. So, uh, is my favorite part about this new series is that we actually get a little more backstory to a character called Master, because Kino didn't just become a traveler who knows how to handle firearms by herself. She actually had an, you know, a teacher who took her in as a young girl named Master. Um, we don't find out her name she, because she actually requires people to refer to her as Master. And in this series, we actually get a flashback episode that focuses on one of her adventures when Master was a traveler. Um, and she also had an apprentice in this. 
this particular episode involves the two of them, Master and Apprentice, going to a country that has really corrupt politicians and police force who entraps them when they come into the country, takes their money, says that they were drug smugglers, and basically, Master and Apprentice go and kick some ass and take some vengeance on the whole country. It is amazing to watch. And the vo but the voices for these, like, badass extraordinaires, Master is voiced by the one and only Caitlin Glass. And the Prentice is, and I believe this is correct, guys, because I had to ask Hardy to go look this up for me, was Micah Solisan? Yeah, it is correct. Okay. Um, two actors with a, a really hefty amount of credits to their name, actually. Uh, Caitlin Glass is, um, you may know her best as Winry in Full Metal Alchemist, uh, or Haruhi in Oran High School Host Club, or Saya and Black Cat, or even Miria and Bakino, like a really wide range of characters that shows that she's got some wide variety in acting chops. Likewise, Mike Solisad has quite some variety as well. Um, he is Riku in Show by Rock. He is Ame, um, older Ame in Wolf Children. And uh, most known to all the fangirls out there, he is Yurio in Yurio Nice. I can't do a Russian accent. I apologize for even trying that. Oh, yeah, evil. Don't forget, he's also. He's also the eponymous Soul Eater. Well, I was trying to think of something outside of what everyone else had heard of, but yes, he is also uh, Johnny Young Bosch wannabe Soul from Soul Eater. But that, that wasn't his first role for Funimation, was it? But it was no. like his pop. That's a, yeah, like that was the first one where everyone was Johnny Bosch. Right, right. <laughs> it was his first lead role. So, yeah. but... That's what I was going to say. I think it was his first leading role, though. So Okay, so yeah, but obviously these two have been around the block quite a few times. Um, Jamal, what do you think about how they handled Master and Apprentice? I think they handled it very well. I mean, it's kind of surprising because so far, Caitlyn to me is kind of like needed to use. Like, I I should never underestimate her because here's the thing about Caitlyn Glass is this. When you meet her, as you stare upon her crimson gaze, you can see a passion burning like the flame of a hundred suns. I mean, like, every role she steps into, she just projects her love live at that moment. I mean, she demonstrates why her and Micah are an absolute duo in this show. I mean, this fiery redheads are a soccer request in every one of her performances to bring out the best. And, oh, absolutely. And if you ever go and get an autograph, she treats you nicely like one of her puppets and tells you to go. Go, Lucky, and have a nice music. Wow, I am stretching this so damn far. <laughs> but, but really, no, really, she she is impressive. I, I, when I heard her as the master, I was like, she just, she went monotonous for this kind of role. I was like, oh yeah, she's really taking this in stride. Like, I, I wouldn't <laughs> bet she's like this when it comes to directing to us. Like, you know, no holds barred, that kind of thing. Like, Yeah, yeah. Okay, um. And Micah, uh, similar as well in the um, You Can't Go Wrong. Well, you can't go wrong. I mean, Micah is just pretty much there for Caitlyn to work off of. Because Micah, when you see him, it, it looks to me like they were just like, she. he just picked this random stranger up off the road and they were traveling along. And then, and then you find out later on that he's her apprentice. To the point that shenanigans occurred and they just end up taking the building hostage and just refuses to come out until like, I don't know, until something got resolved. I don't remember exactly what, but I know it's the, they managed to turn the tables on the police and they just walked out of there scot-free. 
It, it was very cathartic to watch, wasn't it? It's very cathartic to watch. It's very cathartic to watch people get shot in the legs. And then, and then, and then not only that, when you hear the story later on as some old guys tell, when old Justin Brider is telling Kido the story, I was like, and Kido asked like, what happened to you? Like, she's like, I injured myself a few years back. I was like, mm-hmm. I fell down the stairs. Fell, wait, wait, yeah, wait. sure you did. Sure, Our country totally didn't get uh, its ass handed to it by a bunch of uh, mercenaries. <laughs> Not even mercenaries, or like just random people who could have just left the country but decided, no, we have to teach these people a lesson. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, Hardy, but uh, what's your consensus on Caitlin and Mike? I thought they did great, and it was a really fun episode. I, I especially appreciate their dynamic together. Sort of like it's almost like a Japanese comic duo where you have the one oddball and you have the straight man to play off of. Uh, Micah gets to ham it up uh, in a pose alongside Caitlin's straight man performance. So, yeah, I think they both just did a really good job, and this episode was a whole lot of fun. Definitely. Um, now, also, I should probably bring up also that, like I said, we get to talk a little bit about the original, but only for a tiny bit, because Master does show up in the original series, but only for a couple of lines, where she was voiced by Jenny Welch. Um, and in that version, we only get to see her in what I guess is the present day, because she's also, she's older and has more of a you know an older woman voice to her. Um, so it's not exactly comparable to Caitlyn's performance in this version, because in this version, you know, she, we're seeing her younger badass self. But um, we, we do see her older version in one scene. However, she's not as old as in the 2003. So Caitlyn still voices her there. Well, to be fair, there are no old people at all in this version. Or at the very um, least, no one looks all that old. Yeah, I know. I know you had thoughts on that, Jamal. But we could talk about that at the end because I want to hear your thoughts on that element. But um, Jet, what what are your thoughts on the you know 2017 version of Master and Apprentice? Uh, I mean, I mean, well, Kate Wood and Mike are definitely very good at what they do. So I don't really have too much to say on that. Um, it's always nice when Caitlyn can kind of do like more mature women, since he doesn't get to do that too often. And I thought that was a pretty nice change of pace. Um, and it was pretty nice seeing like Mike to be kind of like a little bit goofy and heavy, and I thought they played off with each other pretty well. Um, like as far as the actual material itself goes, like um, this was definitely the episode where the 2017 version was kind of decided to lose the for me a little bit, so I didn't really care that much about the story. Really? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I thought the dynamic was pretty fine, but I didn't really get what this one was like really trying to say. So I just kind of like rolled my eyes and. Moved on. <laughs> that that is really interesting to me because the the thing that and I'll have a lot to complain about this new series, but I'm trying to hold off. But I will say that I liked in this series that they're uh, they're supposed to be parable stories that kind of make you think a little bit about the way life is. And maybe it didn't come off so well in the way it was executed, but it was supposed to be a discussion about corrupt politicians or especially corrupt police officers who will you know like abuse their power, get take bribe money, and like how do you as a society change that and the solution the author came up with is well obviously you take a tower hostage and you shoot them all in the leg so pretty so pretty much is who polices the policeman basically that is a good idea i'm gonna turn that into a t-shirt maybe even make a comic book out of it do you think anyone's done that before uh who cares 
So, yeah, that, that I'm, I am... I guess it, it definitely focused more on the action portion of it. The, let's storm the tower, take all the ammunition, get in a lot of good shots, um, without being the focus of, let's make you think a little bit about who polices the policeman. Yeah, I think that's uh, going to be a running theme with this version, but... <laughs> yeah. We're, we're trying to be nice here, people. Like, we've been all happy sunshines going forward, but trust me, we'll get progressively more cynical as we go along here so yeah and also i'll say again also caitlin glass did um really badass woman that i think i mentioned this in the hyoka episode where i wish caitlin glass was my big sister because she looks like a lot of fun to hang around with like she's the kind of woman you, you want to go on adventures with yeah and she brought and she brought that definitely into this uh episode where i was a little worried that with the tone they'd been going for up to this point because i think this was episode six of this series that they were going to try to make her more, I guess, cute or more, um, I guess, less intimidating. But uh, no, she uh, she has a strong personality that's all badass, but it's not cold. Like, it's not the kind of off-putting personality that you may expect from a character who is a sharpshooter and a no-nonsense taker. It's, it's more like someone who is just really confident in who they are and the morals that they stand up for. Like, if she was just a badass, no care about anything, she would probably just leave the town when things went bad you know just escape but nope we gotta teach these people a lesson yeah and and in some way to what i think you said hardy was that yeah th there's a good contrast between uh micah and caitlin like micah's got this youthful contrast to caitlin's big sister persona gets to be a little bit goofier and um yeah it's like th they could probably have made a whole series out of just these two characters but what we got out of it like this was a good standalone episode for just the two of them put together yeah yeah and like i said i don't really have much comparison to the original um although fun fact there was a uh a 30 minute movie from 2005 uh which was tied into the original series that did focus on master a lot more it was like a prequel episode that focused on kino's training with master when she was much younger so if that had gotten dubbed, we would have gotten to hear a lot more Janie Welsh, but it never did get licensed and picked up and dubbed by uh, ADV. So we will just have the Japanese version of that going forward. Yeah. Oh, before we move on, can I give a shout out to Caitlin? Yes, you may. Go for it. Hi, Caitlin. I hope you're watching this. And thanks for the little video tribute. <laughs> yes. Th thank you, Caitlin. We here at Dub Talk love you and we'd love to buy you a beer. Yeah, she recognizes us now. That is awesome. We're moving up in this world, guys. So, uh, speaking of moving up in this world, uh, shall we move on to uh, a couple of uh, wacky uh, trio characters in this series? Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, and just those wacky, fun-loving, <coughs> uh, used-to-be-royalty, and also uh, loves-to-use-hand-grenades trio. And one licks his own butt. Quite often, in fact. That's why we love him. So, all right, we're going to move on. All right, this is the last group we're going to talk about. Um, like we said, we could stay here all night and talk about all the different characters in the different countries, but we're just going to keep it focused on recurring and important characters. In this case, uh, this 2017 version decided to do something interesting. Instead of making these characters just part of one episode, they decided to give them multiple episodes, and they're the only recurring characters we see repeatedly throughout the show. And that is... Shizu, Riku, and T. Shizu is the former prince of the Colosseum country, a country that 
fight has its citizens fight each other for the right of citizenship. And he was actually banished from that country by his dad, who's the one in charge of everything. Um, and after the events of that Coliseum episode, he actually decides to become a traveler himself like Kino. And we get to see him throughout a couple of different episodes. But, of course, you can't go traveling without a companion. And that, for Shizu, is his white fluffy puppy, Riku. Um, this is a uh, talking dog. Um, I know we asked before, how do more rats talk in this country? How do dogs talk in this world? I don't they know. They just do. They just talk because who doesn't want a talking dog but and to round it all off and uh this will probably be a point of contention for some people but we will talk about her um in his first adventure that we see shizu actually gains uh another sidekick i guess you will um a young girl named t who was born on a ship country but not to any of the native citizens but actually to travelers who had died on the ship and therefore she is a bit of an outcast in that whole country not being related to anyone who lives there so after that adventures on the ship country she decides to travel around with shizu and so the three of them are are slightly recurring other like b plot characters throughout the whole show but who voices them who do the english cast members have for this we have shizu voiced by jeff johnson who is someone who you may have heard in a couple of shows before um, the big one, obviously, is he was Taki Takaya Makoto in Dragon Maid, and he's also in Overlord as Demurge. Demurge. Thank, thank you. So, uh, so he's got a couple of credits to his name. Um, I don't know if this guy has any credits to his name, though. Uh, Riku is voiced by um, uh, uh, Christopher Sabat, I think it is. Sabat. Sabat. No, no, I think it's Sabat. Um, it's Sabat. I, I'm being silly. Um, he's only got a couple of credits to his name, though. Um, like uh, uh, Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z. Or, is, is that uh, the over 9,000 guy? Uh, no, uh, you know, I, I, I think it might have been. I think he was actually in the, the abridged version as well. Um, he's All Might in My Hero Academia. He's Armstrong in Full Metal Alchemist. Um he was the restaurant owner in Restaurant to Another World, uh, one of those shows that needs to get a lot more love from people. So, yeah, Chris Abbott's all over the place. And uh, I think uh, we'll have some interesting things to say about him playing the white fluffy puppy in this series. And T is doesn't get a whole lot of lines, actually, but she does have a voice actress, and she is Monica Rial. I did not write down any credits in this one, because I just wrote on my paper... It's Monica Rial. Do I need to say anything else at this point? She has the list. She has the world record for most credits in all of anime voice acting at this point. Like, I could just, like, name, like, five roles off the top of my head and be done with it. Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Just, everyone, how about this? Jet, name one Monica Rial role. Is it, okay, uh, May from Open Alchemist Brotherhood. Okay, Jamal, name one Monica Rial. So you, I sweep from My Hero Academia best girl and hardy name one monica role michiko balandro from michiko and hachin those are all really good shows you guys have exquisite taste that's why well, i love you, you guys sir. so much yeah so um these three characters um we're also going to get to compare them to the original series because shizu and riku do show up in one episode of the original series um and that series she and they serve the same purpose as well um shizu is voiced by clint bickham and Riku is voiced by Tejas Inglesmith. Um, I think it's Tejas. Yeah, it is Tejas. I'm sorry. 
I'm so sorry. Here's the problem is that Tejas has only that role as his, in his credits. Like, um, unless he's done other stuff outside of anime, we don't know what else he's done. That is the only thing he ever did was Riku in the original Kino's Journey. And, and he had two lines in the entire show. But dang it, were they non-fragmented. <laughs> and, of course, and, and Clint Bickham, you've probably heard in a lot of stuff in the past before. Um, so it'll be interesting to, to compare his Shizu with just Shizu. Um, let, let, to keep it simple here, let's uh, just talk about uh, how these three did in the original version. or Not the original, in the 2017 version. This Okay, if they were going to make a new series, they should have given it a different name so I could identify them better. But um, Jamal, take the fishing reel away from me and tell me how these three did. Uh, well, you know how Jet said that the master story is where it kind of lost him? The ship mm -hmm. country is where it kind of lost me. Because after we've seen Riku and Shizu the Coliseum episode, which we'll discuss that later on. I, I do think those two, I do think Jeff and Chris actually kind of stayed faithful to the original version. I mean, it was, it's in, probably only pitched up slider, the original version, but if you compare the two, well, both Jeff Johnson and Clint Baker and Shizu, to me, kind of felt like a more uh, Tindalish kind of vibe. Like, you can hear, like, Austin Tindall's breathiness a little bit, which is weird because Austin Tindall didn't even come out to formation to, like, what, 07 or something? Um... I don't really remember. Yeah, he's been around a while if you look at his later credits. But yeah, it's not, those two, I don't know how the hell that happened. But I think they stayed faithful to the original, to one another. Same with Chris and Tejas. Although Chris having, I think he gets, because Chris is in the new version and he's in there a lot more, you get to hear a lot more dialogue out of him. So... Mm -hmm. He has a lot more opportunity to be witty if he wants to because he's a dog who licks his own butt. <laughs> and we're not just saying that just to try to be clever. Like, he actually comes out and says that in one episode. Uh, I thought you were going to say Chris actually comes out and says it, but okay. <laughs> well, 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 he did, but he told me not to tell you guys. Damn it! <laughs> okay, then. As for T, we don't hear much of her, but we do hear of her... It's my career, being my career, you can't go wrong with that. I mean, we had to slot her in there somewhere because my career is also the, in the original, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yes, she was. Um, she was the, um, in the episode where we meet the wise old man of the original series, she is the, um, I suppose, the guardian character who yes. was supposed to kill yes. him if he uh, yeah, remembers who he yeah. was. Yeah, it's, I'm glad you reminded me of that because I, I remember watching that episode and thinking that it was actually Cynthia Martinez playing that character, but then I saw the credits, and nope, it was Monica. If you think about it, it is two different characters, but they do have a similar approach, because T tends to carry a lot of grenades around her. <laughs> and Yeah, and the char that character from the original series uh, didn't have grenades, but she was apparently very good with a gun. Yeah, that, that was kind of weird, but yeah, hey, you know, what's the point of applying logic to a show like this? Well, I, I wouldn't expect any different from a, sh a show that was based on, inspired by The Little Prince, which is also not something you should think about in terms of logic. Um, I, I guess I, I do have one question, Jamal. Do you think that the idea of the show to uh, consistently come back to Shizu and Riku as, you know, recurring characters, do you think that helped or hindered the series? 
that's difficult to answer because in some ways it helped to expand the character, but in some ways it kind of hindered it. Unless you read the manga, which I never read, and I never probably will because it's not licensed. I actually, I actually have to uh, say that I enjoy Shizu and Riku. You know, I know they were a big bone of contention, sort of taking the focus away from our lead character, but uh, but yeah, I, I actually enjoyed rather getting to see more of these two as opposed to the original where we knew almost nothing of them. So, and I'm just so glad that we live in a world today and we where we could hear Chris Savitt say the phrase, I lick my own butt sometimes, quite often, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> I just think I just that's one of the reasons I do I can't give this to the 2017 version too much flack because Riku's one-liners are just great. Like he just has this deadpan about him. Like he's like oh, the kids are are saying, "Oh, he's smiling." I'm not smiling. You're stretching out my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet he hated the ship country just as much. Yeah. After that incident. But I, yeah, I mean, I can see why people would sort of resent Shizu and Riku for taking away so much screen time. But I mean, I just, I think Riku's adorable and I want more of him. So I, I actually rather enjoy it. Um, as opposed to, uh, well, I mean, as far as Shizu and Jeff Johnson's performance is concerned, I'm actually going to say that I prefer this one over Clint Bickham's performance. Mainly because... I like Clint Bickham as an actor, but I do not think that was one of his best performances from back then. He sounded kind of flat and and, and emotionless, whereas Jeff plays him with a lot more gusto and, and life. So interesting. And yeah, and you're talking about uh, even in the episodes that overlap, just the Coliseum episode performances. Well, I mean, just in uh, he he plays him in, as Shizu in general. I think he's. Oh, okay. I think I prefer it over Clint's performance. Oh, Not to really knock Clint or anything, but I just, I think Jeff. I just like Jeff's performance a little bit better. So uh, okay, um, and, and well, I'm gonna say that does sound like a a, a positive uh, compliment towards the English acting because their characters are very similar between the two series. Like they didn't really change much about his personality in this version. Right. Right. And as far as Monica Rial goes, you know, it's just Monica Rial doing her quiet Moe girl voice that we've heard a hundred times. I wouldn't so. think it's Moe, if anything. Oh, it's not Moe. It's, you know, her little quiet. Yeah, yeah um, quiet is more the operative word. Yeah, monotone, you know, I forget the word. Not stoic, but it's a voice we've heard from Monica a thousand times before. We'll probably hear it a thousand times more. Um, nothing really to say about it, to be perfectly honest. Well, I guess my question then to Hardy is, do you think that the show needed tea? Not really. There are some scenes that show some character development with her that are qu kind of nice, but in the long run, she she really does come across as sort of an unnecessary character. Yeah, I'm, I wanted someone to say it before I did, but yeah, this wasn't... Really? Okay, I'm not entirely sure if she was even in the original light novels. I'm going to assume she was, because uh, from what I've read, the series was trying to be a bit closer to the the writing of the light novels, and there's been, you know, about 20 novels written, so there was a lot more content to produce to begin with. But yeah, I'll agree. In terms of the, the countries they visit and her personality, 
it wasn't entirely needed. It kind of made me feel like, because um, Lurch was making this series the same time they were making Konohana Kitan, which is a series all about the cute girls doing the cute things. So it kind of made me feel like they like something overlapped into the, this series that should have gone back to the, the, the other production. Uh, Mo Moe sells. Moe sells, people. You had to mention Konohana Kita, didn't you? It is cute fox girls doing cute Why are we not covering that? Because the voters didn't know what it was at the time. They also didn't want us to cover anime guitarists, and they should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, tell you what, tell you, we'll go rogue, and later on, we will record our own episode, and we'll put it on, like, a dark channel that no one can find. <laughs> and Lorlac will but, find it anyway. <laughs> it, she'll find it anyway, but only after it's too late. So, I'm sorry, Jet, did you have, um, did you want to intervene on Shizu, Riku, and T? I mean, okay, um, so I like deaths and Chris' performances just fine. Uh, like, I was saying, I think there's, like, bits of it I kind of prefer over what I heard in the 2003 version. And I think, like, mm -hmm. partially because they have a little bit more to do. And, uh, so, and, uh, like, and, uh, like I was saying, uh, the 2003 version wasn't one of Quinn, uh, Quinn's better performances. And so, uh, but, I mean, but, like, as far as, like, the Coliseum stuff specifically goes, I do, like, and then, like, I do kind of like that Clint had a little bit more to do there, like, specifically that he kind of got to interact directly with the king as opposed to the 2017 yep. version. Uh, and, so, and that was a particularly big deal to me because, like, I literally just watched a Coliseum episode of the original right before we did this. Uh, so that's, awesome. yeah, so that's an ad to me a lot more. Um, but anyway, it was kind of nice that they had a little bit more to do with this version. I'm not sure if it was entirely necessary, but it was, like, kind of nice. Um, okay, you mean, like, it was nice to, like, cover countries that uh, we wanted to make an episode about, but have it be through the eyes of a different set of characters? Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty nice. And, um, okay, yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to, one thing I kind of wanted to mention, like, is a little difference between the two versions. Like, I kind of like the whole bit in the 2003 version where, like, uh, sorry, where, uh, Riku talking was just kind of like a little one-liner bit. And it was just kind of like mm -hmm. a little side joke, like, oh my god, a talking dog. I'm like, no, oh, there's a way to a talking <laughs> dog. <laughs> I forgot about that in the original. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was like, just like a very neat little side joke. Um, and then uh, T was like just kind of there. <laughs> As but, a... but, she put, but she put jam on a croquette, or on a croissant. Yeah. <laughs> As, 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 I mean, like, a lot of the players find, as, I didn't really have too many, really too much to say about the acting, like, when Monica doing, like, her usual thing, and he's really good at her usual thing, so I can't really complain, but the character was just kind of, like, there. I didn't really have any serious thoughts on her. And you know what, that, that's okay, because, you know, this in this show that is supposed to make you think about a lot of, you know, philosophical and political things, she doesn't really make you think about a whole lot, does she? Oh, by the way... But she mainly just tries to blow stuff up yeah. and stab people. Yeah. Oh, by the way, to <laughs> add to your question, Noah, she is in the light novels. Okay. That, like I said, that wouldn't surprise me at all, because it would be really weird if they decided to just throw in this extra recurring character that wasn't in the original novels. I don't know. Considering how episode 12 went, I would not put it past them. That's... that. We'll get to that in a bit. Put a pin in that. We'll save that for later. 
Um, I'm going to basically just echo what everyone else said in that, uh, yeah, Jeff and Chris um, were good. Um, I think that they're both as good as the, um, both as uh, Clinton Tejas in the original. Um, there's not really a, a whole lot of development there, but I do think that Jeff's um, shy, uh, contemplative mentality is a little is a lot closer to the 2003 version of Kino, actually, like the character of Kino, than this version is. Um, which makes me kind of wonder a little bit about if the creators of the show didn't quite know what to do with Kino and instead gave the personality traits to Shizu instead, because Shizu isn't up for a fight all the time but knows how to hold his ground when things get tough and is also, you know, just he's just trying to find a place to live. So that's why we get to see a couple of different countries that, you know, may or may not be a good place to live. Um, and yeah, Chris Abbott as Riku is, that's probably my favorite part of the whole thing as well because um, here's the thing is that I'm used to Chris giving a performance that has like a growl and a rumble in his voice. And in this time, we didn't really get to hear that. He has a low voice, but there's no rumbling coming in through the speakers. So it's like a very different kind of low voice that we don't usually get from Chris. And of course, we get the good one-liners out of that. So whether or not we needed to have another set of characters to visit countries just to like you know show what the character, what the inhabitants are like, I'm not sure we needed Chizu and Riku to be the you know other set of eyes for this, but it doesn't hurt the show that we get to see that. Because the point of the show isn't to develop the, uh, the the traveler characters. It's supposed to show you what the countries they visit are like. And yeah, T is just kind of there. She's adorable, and she, can, she knows how to hold a grenade. Anyone who can hold a grenade and a baby at the same time, at least, you know, deserves to have been in the show. Just don't confuse one for the other. Oh, God. Pull, pull the pick. <laughs> Pull the baby and throw. <laughs> oh, no. oh, my God. Boosh. I hate, I hate, I hate you so much, Hadi. <laughs> I love you too, Jamal. We're all thinking it. <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, like we said, these uh, uh, Shizu and Riku were in one episode of the main series, and they don't get to show up again in later episodes, so... Um, I guess the show just wanted to have uh, a little more variety in terms of characters to focus on. Um, that's actually something that we'll talk about a little bit when we get to our main character. Um, speaking of which, we are actually going to finally transition to one of our two main characters. So strap on your helmets, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to talk about the talking motorhead lead character itself, Hermes. And this is going to be a very interesting discussion because we are going to get to talk quite a bit about comparing the original and the the new version, the the regular world and the beautiful world. I trying to just turn between these two here. But um, Hermes is, like I said, the motorad that uh, Kino uses to travel around the world. Um, in this dimension, I guess uh, motorads can talk. So it's basically it gets to act as a foil to her, to Kino in terms of discussing the countries that they're in, uh, ideas to bounce off of, like lots of uh, snarky comments here and there, depending on which version of the show you're talking about. But let's just focus on the this version, the 2017 version, in which Hermes is voiced by Derek Snow. And Derek Snow has been in uh, quite a few great series, like uh, he's been in Handshakers as Tomiko, and he's uh, Loen in Dance with Devils. So, you know, lots of great series that all of us have high respect for. Although, you know, to give, uh, to give him a shake here, he's also been in 
Uh, he's Io in uh, Princess Stride, and he's Rickert in uh, Izetta the Last Witch. So um, not quite as many roles as some of the long, more seasoned veterans, but uh, still a couple of high-profile roles, and um, doesn't surprise me that he landed this role, actually, because uh, he's definitely got a very distinct voice for a very distinct character. Um, now, when just talking about the original version, though, this is where we get into an uh, interesting discussion about comparisons between the two, because even though Hermes as a character is not supposed to have a gender, in the Japanese version of the 2017 version, he is voiced by a male seiyu, but in the 2003 version, it was voiced by a female seiyu, and in the same vein, they also cast a female actress in the English dub of it. So in the 2003 version, Hermes was voiced by Cynthia Martinez, who... As you can imagine, that's a really different way to voice the character. So um, let's just focus on uh, Derek's performance as Hermes. Uh, Jamal, if you want to ride away on this one? Yeah, I guess I'll start. So Derek Snow, I think he did a good job as the Motorman. There's just one little issue I'm having with it. Maybe because I watched the original series first, but he doesn't have a metallic kind of voice. The show did not give him a metallic kind of mm -hmm. voice like it did in the original. That's right. Um, and this goes for both the uh, English and Japanese as well. In the new version of it, there is no uh, mechanical sound effect given to the voice. Like, it's not put through a vocoder or whatever they did in the 2003 version, so... Yeah. Uh, it just sounds like normal, right? Yeah, because if I, cause if I want to hear something with a disembodied voice, I need to least something to focus it on to. So when I hear Derek Snow in this world, he does a good job. It's just if it hadn't been for showing uh, Hermes the motorman itself, I would have thought maybe it was just a voice coming out of nowhere, to be honest. Like, that, that, that should be one thing they should fix in post for the whole release, but other than that, mm. he's, he did a pretty solid job. In interesting you say that. Um... Now, actually comparing the two of them, um, we know that uh, Hermes in the 2017 version is a bit more of a joker and a lot, uh, I guess, sillier than the 2003 version. Um, what do you think about the way that they actually changed up the character a bit for this reversion? I I think that speaks to the content of the show, actually, if you think about it. Because whereas Hermes is a, jo a bit of a jovial motorcycle, if you will... In this version, in the 2003 version, it was played. It was downplayed to be more serious in nature. Well, in the English dub, yes, but in the Japanese, um, the voice was a little bit sillier and just a tiny bit goofier. Um, like the content wasn't really changed, but the way that you voice the character definitely changes the impression you get of it. Yeah. So, uh, so ADV was a really gung-ho on having a serious voice for Hermes in the English version, and Funimation decided that they wanted a, you know, a funner, almost, you know, Joker-type character for this one. I mean, except for four episodes of the new version itself, I had not listened to any of the original Japanese at all, so I can't really okay. back up that claim of yours, to be honest. Okay. So, uh, but, but I, what I'm getting from your response is that the... Um, Derek Snow's portrayal in this version does not hinder the character at all? Only slightly, but that's something that could be fixed in post. Other than that, he did a pretty good job. Okay. Um, uh, Hardy, do you have a similar uh, hang-up about the uh, the lack of motorized voice in this one? 
that really didn't bother me, to be perfectly honest. Um, I honestly kind of... I did like how they decided to go with a male actor instead of, uh, like, the original, um, mm -hmm. be to better match with the Japanese Seiyu, who is also male. Um, that I could appreciate. Her, uh, Derek's performance as Hermes, really, he is much more of a jovial Joker-style character, and I think he did that pretty well. Um, Hermes' voice in the original was always kind of strange to me like the way Cynthia played him um so it's it's I can't say I like one more than the other they just are sort of there and um yeah I don't really have any negative things to say about it I guess what it comes down to is because both the series are so uh, are kind of different from each other so we get a different kind of Hermes um would you say that Derek's uh, portrayal fits the tone that they're going for in the 2017 version. Yeah, yeah, because the tone is dramatically different and it almost has like a black comedy sort of sense to it. So Hermes makes a lot of jokes about things he probably shouldn't make. Oh, you and, know, they can't. I'm a motorcycle. They can't drug me. Right. So yeah, that um, it does definitely fit the tone of the new series for for the series for better or worse. I would say. Right. That's what, yeah. We, as uh, Dub Talk professionals, have learned long ago that we can't judge the performance based solely... Like, if there was something that was in the original, like if they're trying to match what the original was going for and they do it accurately, then we can't say that they did it incorrectly. You know, they did what the Japanese were trying to do, too. Right. 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 Uh, Jet. Um, Derek Snow, hero or zero? Um, so this was my first time ever actually hearing Derek Snow, so I wasn't really sure what we were going to get here, but, uh, I dug it. Um, there's a very relaxed quality to his voice that kind of fits the whole drifter angle, and he makes Hermes sound like the kind of guy you want to go out and get a drink with if he wasn't well, you know, <laughs> Yeah, if you're drinking gasoline. <laughs> yeah, you know, a pint of motor fluid for for the motorcycle and a pint of beer for you, yeah, I could, I could mm -hmm. see that. Um, I, I can't really say I have too much of a preference between his, Hermes, and what I see of, uh, Xavier Martinez's performance. Uh, but, uh, but like I said before, I do think there's a more relaxed note to his, whereas, um, Cynthia's kind of sounds a little bit more, like, kind of mystical to me, in a sense. Uh, which was sort yeah. of a little, like, off-putting to me when I, like, first listened to the 2003 version, because I was using, like, relaxed Hermes, so... <laughs> I am so glad you brought that up because I, I asked all these guys before we went into this what version they'd seen before, and I know that you, like you said, you you waited to watch the the old version until you finished the new one. So, yeah, that I'm curious, like your impression of that that contrast between the two. Like you said, it like took a little while to get used to. Is it easy? Yeah, it took me like a couple of minutes to get used to because I was like really used to like relaxed Harvey to like. Kind of like mystical, more meditative Hermes was like a little weird. Uh, so, I mean, but I, I mean, but I got used to it pretty quickly, and uh, and mm. I really like that version too. So um, I think they both kind of work in their own way. I can't really say which one I prefer because they kind of serve two different roles, and mm. uh, the different roles they serve aren't like too bad between either version. So like, it's fine. <laughs> 
Yeah, you reminded me also that the the old version of uh, Hermes, the first thing that you hear out of them is they're in the desert and you get this like uh, almost um, cynical, I wonder what will happen to you when you're mummified in the middle of the desert and I'm buried under a million grains of sand. Like that that's not, that's like the opposite mentality that the Hermes in the 2017 version has. Yeah. Where it's, where it's like, oh no, they're going to have her cooking. They're all dead. Uh, yeah. This, it definitely comes, you all hit it on the head, the nail on the head in the, it all comes down to the difference in types of show they're trying to make. Because Hermes is not supposed to be a character that gets developed or has like a dramatical character arc. You know, it's supposed to be an observer character and it's kind it's much more Joker like in this version of it, but that kind of fits with the tone a little bit more, whereas the old series, the Hermes would, like, offer advice or, like, say, be a little wary about what you're doing, and Cynthia definitely had that mystical quality that made it, uh, it kind of uncoupled your brain from the world that you were seeing to make you, like, pay attention a little bit more, I guess. Whereas, the, like you said, Derek Snow is the kind of guy who you want to go out and get a pint of motor fluid with. So... I want to say stuff that, like, I want to say, like, I don't like this version of Hermes, but I can't. I, I cannot say that at all because it, it totally fits with the tone that they're going for. And I don't have anything negative to say about Tarek's performance on this one. Aside from, I bet he had a lot of fun that he had no lip flaps to match up to, so it made it a lot easier to do his job. Honestly, the only development Hermes got was from when the original Kido was just building him out of spare parts. Uh, that, that is literal development. Yes, that is. <laughs> and yeah, that's, uh, I think that's, I'm trying to think if that's the the most, uh, the base of comparison that we can have between the two, because in the original version, Hermes uh, is kind of like um, advising to run away yeah. and giving uh, Kino some advice on to, you know, how to drive a motorcycle. Whereas in the 2017 version, it's it's not quite as dire, I guess, despite what's actually going on. Yeah, um, and, and, and kind of, no, actually, I kind of want to mention that because, like, the 2017 version, I felt like I was trying to make that more, like, I felt like I was trying to make that whole situation like, a little bit more, like, dramatic. Whereas mm -hmm. in the 2003 version, it's kind of like, yeah, this is the situation you gotta choose. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I could probably I could probably peg that up a little bit more to to uh, the direction because um, yeah, so, the yeah, 2000 yeah that was definitely like a direction thing. Yeah, because uh, you you probably noticed that the 2017 version like uh, has intense lighting changes and like changes the color palette when things get really serious. But the 2003 version didn't do that unless it was like a flashback or someone was like telling a story going on. So. um yeah, there's some really big differences in the direction going on. Oh, yeah. um, like, like, and it, it, like, uh, for example, the 2003 version was directed by Ryutaro Nakamura, who is like you probably know him as like the guy who directed Solo Experiments Lane. Or uh, one thing I really like him for, he directed the original uh, Tale of Gusko Bidori, which uh, also had a very similar uh, look on life. Um, and we will probably never get to see that. Which is a real shame. Um, and when I say Gusko Bidori, I mean the um, the two, the nineteen ninety four version, not the the cat version that we're getting coming from Sentai soon. That that's a remake of it. But I got way off topic there. Yeah. Somebody reel me back in. Yeah. So really so know. pretty much, Hubby's Hubby's you didn't get as much development. You can't really compare the two. I mean, you like one, you like the other, you like both. Just 
pick your bikes. All we know is it's a bike passed down from the old keto to the new keto. And speaking mm. of ketos, <laughs> segways. You're welcome. So we have we have crossed the fields and we've finally gotten to the title character herself. Yes, we are finally going to talk about the main character Kino. And this is where all of the dissenting will come in. Thank you all for waiting this long. Your the code word in the comments section is um is ranger. There you go. The keyword is ranger. If yeah. you put that down in the comments, we'll know you got this far into the yeah, episode. It, it's about it's about to get very violent. <laughs> so, and don't worry, we're all on fishing pole, so it'll be okay. But okay, Kino is the title character who you see on the cover, who is the traveler of all travelers, who has been wandering around all the countries and has a rule of only visiting each country for three days to try to get a feel for the characters and or for the people that she meets in all the different countries. Because, as she says in her mantra, the world is unperfect, and therefore it is. And so we find all the different worlds through her perspective. Um, key notes about her, of course, is that she is very good with gunfire because you have to survive in this harsh world. And also likes to contemplate on the goings-on around her and the various people that she meets. But you can't do that without strong actresses. And yes, they did use actresses in both the original and the 2017 version. So who could those be? For this new version that we have been talking about for the last hour and a half, Lindsay Seidel is the voice of Kino, and that is a voice that is an actress that you will probably best know as Nagisa in Assassination Classroom, um, but also as Ichikia in Cat Planet Cuties, Kyoko in Is This a Zombie, and um, I'm sorry, Jamal, I'm going to mention this again, but Yuzu in Konohana Kitan, the show that we're not covering, therefore I can bring up that credit. So yeah, she was actually in two different Lurch series at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but probably most telling of the two of the differences between the two is that um, Kino is voiced by a very different kind of voice actress in the 2003 version, and we can we'll probably be able to directly compare the two because not only are the characters slightly different, but the voices are very different from each other. In the original version, Kino was voiced by Kelly Cousins not a voice that a lot of people know because Kino is her most famous role. She hasn't done any voice acting actually in like the last like five or so years. She's actually retired from doing anime voice acting. So uh, the fact that we get to had her in this show was kind of a stroke of awesomeness because you know this is the most um, yeah, the most notable thing that she has done. Whereas uh, Lindsay Seidel has a bit of a higher voice. Uh, Kelly has a lower voice. Let's get into it, boys. Let's discuss the two the two of them compared to each other here. Um, I'm going to go in reverse order here just to mix things up a little bit. Jet, want to talk about Lindsay for a bit? Okay, sure. Um, so I like Lindsay's idea a lot, and I think she did a pretty great job here. Um, she nailed Kido's personality in this version, and uh, really made the character sound uh, laid back, self-assured. Um, but having said that, I think it sounded like just a little bit too feminine to me. Um, I kept up with the Japanese version for a while, and I was, like, really impressed with how I drawn to this, um, the Seiyu Aoi Yuki's performance sounded. Um, mm -hmm. there were a lot of similarities in tone to what, uh, Lizzie said Elbit did here, uh, but they were a little bit more amplified. And, uh, there were many times where I felt like if I didn't know Kido's identity going in, I probably would have mistaken Kido for a boy like a lot of the other characters do. 
Um, so, in comparison, while I don't really have any problems with Lucy Tano's acting, uh, her voice always kind of sounded like very distinctly feminine to me, while it wasn't like super girly or anything. I feel like anyone going into the show blind would probably have an easier time recognizing Kino as a girl, so I sort of leaned a little bit more towards Ayomi Yuki's take. Um, but I will say that, like, between the two dubs, uh, Lindsay probably sounded a little bit more androgynous than Kelly Cousins did. Uh, but I also really like what I've heard of that one. Really? Um, so, uh, like, so as far as, like, I mean, so as far as, like, acting goes, I would kind of say, like, I think Lindsay and Kelly Cousins are both, like, equally fine for what they're trying to do. Uh, but as far as the two Kidos go, I mean, uh, it's kind of interesting you brought up that, uh, that Lindsay has, like, a very high-pitched kind of voice, and Kelly Cousins is more, like, lower voice, because, uh, that difference in tone also comes down to, like, difference in performance. Uh, because, uh, Kelly Cousins, you know, is more, like, kind of, as a, I guess, kind of, like, down-to-earth, kind of, like, more world-weary, like, he, he, like, he got the sense that he's been traveling around for a while, so he kind of knows how the world works. Um, so, he, I mean, like, so she knows that it has to be how to, like, not get into fights too much. She just sort of does whatever she has to do, and I, like, very much appreciate that. And, mm -hmm. okay, and in 2017, Kino just kind of feels like a sociopathic boy-girl from Gun. I'd like to assent, but you're not wrong. Like, I wish I had something nice to say, but that's... Kind of what it's like. It's just like a sociopath before growing again. <laughs> that that a lot of it comes down to the show itself, and just the the fact that the show loves to show Kino the 2017 version loves to show a shootout in every single yeah, episode. Like, yeah, like and literally every episode, Kino with a gun. It's like, and and it's weird. Like, and that's literally the defense. I see like every person who brings up to that Reaper, like Kino doesn't even get that often. Like, I wish you could have told me that. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I mean, like, I wish I could say, like, well, that's like uh, the tone that they're going for. But honestly, I don't even think that it was like a choice of the show itself because they were trying to make it closer to the original series. And okay, the original author, like, just get slightly off track here. The original author of Kino's Journey is a big gun otaku to the point that he has actually written a gun gale online, like a sword art online spinoff that is getting an anime adaptation coming up. So the man knows his firearms. I guess they really wanted to show that off in this version. Uh, yeah, they certainly did. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Hardy, I, I know that you're sitting off to the side with your goat cannon. Uh, would you care to fire away on this one? Uh, I kind of have to disagree a bit with Jet on thinking that Lindsay sounds more androgynous. I honestly think Kelly sounds more androgynous, personally. Um, going back and listening to the 2003 dub, did anyone else kind of think that Kelly Cousins sounds like Terry Doty does today? Yeah, to me, she sounds like a cross between Terry Doty and Amanda Miller. Right. I mean, it was... I was watching the show... I hadn't watched it in several years, and I'm like, wow, she sounds a lot like Terry. So, But I digress. Um, I, I, am, I am with Jet in that I do think Lindsay could have sounded a little bit less overtly feminine. Um, if she had used her Nagisa voice, which was what I was expecting her to do for this role, I think it probably would have worked out better. Um, but yeah, I don't have anything really 
wrong to say. I probably would pick Kelly Cousins over Lindsay Seidel personally. Um, but then again, they are two drastically different versions of the same character. And um, uh, yeah, I I also have to think that this this version of Kino is just kind of nihilistic and sociopathic. It's always wanting to shoot things. Well, no, it's not like we have a whole episode to back that up. Like, I don't know, like making the residents of a country fight each other to the death over kingship or anything like that, do we? Well, she did something similar to that in the 2003, but it wasn't so out in the open. Yeah, uh, she only did like run over a horde of sheep. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered why it was hungry for lab chops at that point. <laughs> She's like, this is what I think of, this is what I think of your Serta commercials. Hey, if perfect sleep, my if Android if Android's dream of electric sheep, does Kino dream of fiery ones? <laughs> Motorad's roasted, Motorad's dream of roadkill sheep. <laughs> I will say this though: that if Kino ever decides to cook those sheep, that is what KFC I don't ever want to eat. Oh, God. <laughs> oh my God. This is out of control. All right, all right, Jamal, Jamal, come on, come on. We got a descent going on here. Would you like to jump into the fire? No pun intended. Uh, None whatsoever. I'm kind of at a crossroads between the two of you because I kind of thought Lindsay was using her Nagisa voice. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it to me it sounded a bit scratchier than Nagisa, whereas Kelly sounds a bit deeper, but I think the comparison between the two is kind of like the age difference in the actors because as you get older your voice starts to get deeper and we both know from the uh from uh Kino's backstory that uh we learned that she's not much older than 13 because you know she was supposed to she was going to have that surgery at 12 until the other Kino came in right um and yeah, it's not supposed to, like, I think, if I remember the source material correctly, she's supposed to be, like, in her early 20s at the most. Oh, that, what? Well, well, because she spent quite a bit of time with Master, and then, um, well, yeah, the, the original, yeah, so it's, <laughs> wow. the age isn't exactly the point here, the, the point is, like, well, you said, the, and, I know, I know age is just nothing but, just number, but it kind of helps to make sense at that point, because, I mean, without pinpointing, you can't exactly gauge, like, what the performance was trying to go for. I mean, to me, they're both equally kind of androgynous, but in their own ways. And really? and not to mention, like, keep in mind, when you're watching the 2017 version, they're expecting people to already understand from the 2003 version. So I can forgive that a little bit. Yeah, it, they did have the the I guess the groundwork laid out for them. Yeah, and plus people already know the twist, so there's not really any point in trying to hide it, you know. Not, I I kind of I, I kind of disagree with you a little bit there, like in that they were expecting like everyone from the 2003 version just kind of like no. I mean, like this the 2017 version was clearly supposed to be like a reboot. They even include Kiddo's backstory in that version, so it was clearly supposed to attract new people. So. Like, any flaws are, like, it's its own. Well, it's... I don't even think... Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you, Jet. I don't think that they expected anyone to know what was uh, the backstory going into this, but they did have a pre... Uh, they have an idea about what kind of audience they were going to draw, because 
You could compare the 2003 version and the 17 version as a contrast in how anime has changed so much in the past decade and a half because they wanted to make Kino cute in this version. And that is the key difference, is that they went out of their way to make her not just uh, an androgynous traveler philosophic, philo philosopher character. They wanted to make her, you know, the kind of person you can make figures out of. And yes, I've seen that figure. People yeah. afforded that to me and said, uh, hey, Noah, you want to buy this? As, as, uh, yeah, like, and I reminded me of like, that one short where like, there was literally a character who like, went on about how cute Kino was, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, the, the the one who's looking at her with the rifle from up in the, the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that caught me off guard, too. It's like, the character is like, it looks like a guy. No, wait, it's a girl. And then he blushes, it's a cute girl. No, 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 like, no, like, and then they, like, literally, oh. went, no, and then they literally, like, exaggerated her features for that one scene to make her look more feminine. Yeah, because, like, yeah, because yeah. at one point I did see her lips. I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, it, now, it's not to say that the 2003 version didn't uh, try to make Kino appealing in some of the marketing. Like, one of uh, ADV's first DVD releases of it had her uh, as a shot from behind, and it, like, kind of tried to accent the curves a little bit more. Um, but the TV series itself, obviously, was not trying to make her adorable in any sense. So, yeah, let's get down to the voice acting in the comparison between the two. Lindsay Seidel's Kino is... I'm going to agree with uh, Hardy here, Le not nearly as androgynous as Kelly Cousins was. And that is a big problem with me because it's, okay, I like the original series because of a lot of things, but in making the character of Kino more more feminine for this version, it, it feels like they're taking away from what made the original really good. And in that sense, they also try to make a lot of the stories a lot cuter and less impactful as well. Like, they, they make them much more family-friendly, in a sense. Like, there's a whole episode where the characters are in uh, the Coliseum episode, for instance, or the... Um, uh, trying to think of, like, what, one example in particular. Um, uh, the episode where the mayor has enough points where he can get away with murder and nothing bad will happen to him. Like, a lot of it's framed, directed, animated, and even voice acted in a much cutesier way that's probably what modern anime fans are expecting, but not in a way that quite makes you think as much as the original series did. So I can't say that Lindsay did bad, because when it, the type of show they're trying to go for, she did great. She honestly fit the role, the mold that they were going for, it's just that that mold itself was a problem based in the Japanese's original production, not in the English version of it. So, so, so the mold had a mold on it then? It, yeah, it's... This is why it was so hard watching this going from episode to episode, because I tried to uncouple my expectations of the franchise based on, you know, what I really liked about the original. And it's like, okay, maybe I can just enjoy this new version just by itself. I couldn't quite do that. Am I wrong, gentlemen? Like, like this comes out of the big question. Like, can you judge something all on its own, or will your previous expectations kind of like muddle that a bit? Uh, I'll say. I mean, I'm probably gonna save that for final thoughts. Same. Okay, that's safe. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so, okay, so yeah, if we're just talking about the character, about the acting itself, it doesn't sound like anyone has anything uh, wrong to say exactly about Lindsay Seidel's acting. Um, uh, I, I do also kind of wish that she'd use a bit more of the scratchier voice from Nagisa, like the like sort of a raspier voice, whereas in this version she uses a bit more of a cleaner voice. But um, 
other than uh, it's definitely in tone with what the Japanese are trying to do too. So, okay, we have gone through the whole cast listing here, but this is what you all came for. This is the part where we all just throw ourselves into the thought pile and battle it out with swords and knives. Gentlemen, we are into the final thoughts on the dub, but we can talk a little bit about the series itself as well. A little. I don't even know. I don't even know how to structure this exactly. Um, Hardy, I've been saving you for the end on all these discussions. Why don't you start us off? <clears throat> well, my feeling for the show is this. Go watch 2003. And 2003 is kind of a difficult show to watch these days because it the visuals have not aged well at all. And they, they for some reason, they put this weird filter over everything to make it look like patchwork or something, and it's it never goes away. And, and it, it the show is in desperate need of an HD upscale. Really? Um, you think so? I do. I do. I think everything is muted. I watched the DVD. Everything is muted. It's, it's mm -hmm. sort of washed out almost. And while it could still be enjoyed... Uh, for its philosophical nature, and it's still a great show to begin with, it just kind of looks a bit ug on the ugly side. Whereas 2017 is brighter, uh, has more refined character instructions, but also suffers from really off-putting CGI. Why, whatever do you mean? Yes. Mainly the sheep. But, um... But yeah, well, no. Also, but Ke uh, Hermes is also rendered in CGI. Well, not just her um, in, like... Uh, wide See? shots, like far away shots. Kino and her right. are both in CGI. Right, right. And that could be very off-putting. Um, people who were fans of the 2003 version who were coming into this new one expecting it to be exactly like it, you're not going to get it. Uh, 2000, uh, Beautiful World is almost nihilistic at points. It doesn't really make you think as much as it sort of reminds you just how ugly everything is. And or how the world can be, and and Kino, especially whereas she was much more worldwise and and down to earth in the first series, this one she does almost come across like a sociopath with a gun. But she's so good at it. She's good at it. But I mean, the whole thing about the two thousand three and and Kino used her guns a lot in the old version too but there were so many different stories that didn't focus on violence they didn't focus on kino being the aggressor here she's almost trigger happy at points so i can and, sniper their guns off so that they can't fire at us anymore right right and, i mean she, she doesn't try to kill people um but she does rely on her pistols way more often than in the first series so I, I just I felt it kind of off-putting, almost nihilistic, and just there there are parts that I do enjoy, um, but I think it is very vastly inferior to the 2003 series, and for no other reason, I really think we missed out on not getting Vic Mignogna's Crazy King to come back. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's we could have gotten this. Yes. <laughs> instead, we got. Instead, we got silent uh, Christopher Walken instead. So. And Vic Mignogna yeah. was elsewhere in the show. Not nearly used to his full potential. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the, the original series had two episodes to cover that Coliseum episode, by the way, in case you haven't seen it. So compressing it down to this episode meant into the new series meant, of course, that we didn't get the crazy king and we don't get... Um, um, I can still see his his bloody face. <laughs> and uh, the Coliseum <laughs> episode also doesn't make any sense of the result. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> I, it's, yeah. it's interesting you brought that up, Hardy, because... Um, like, you know that in the original series, the Coliseum episode had a play within a play uh, for mm -hmm. one part of the episode. Now, now it's interesting because they didn't have that in the 2017 episode, but they do have a play within a play in a different episode. For some reason, in The Kind Country, they use the play within the play to explain the backstory of their country, which is actually a bad choice because... That part in the original version, in 2003, was Sakura's character development, because she got to describe the country to Kino, and therefore we cared for her a lot more than we do in this new version, because, you know, mm -hmm. she has less screen time in this new one. Right. Just, like, li little things like that, but... I'm sorry, uh, did, uh, of the acting itself, though, like, um, did you think that Funimation did well in the voice acting? Other than a few miscasts and, uh... And things I would have changed. I think, as a in general, the dub is pretty good. I can't really say anything negative about it. Cool, cool. Yeah. Thanks. Whereas the 2003 did had it, it obviously shows its age. Whatever do you mean? It's 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 like spun vocal gold. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a couple of flatline reads. Right. So, so <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know. For like what I generally expect of like ADB does, I thought it actually sounded really good. <laughs> well, why don't you go ahead, Jet? Then, um, yeah, go ahead and compare the two overall dubs for us. Okay. Um. Okay. Uh, so I was pretty excited to check out the show when it first came out. Um. Even though I hadn't seen it was an Okino's Journey when this new version had come out, I knew it had a strong reputation, and I also knew it was something that people had a lot of love for. However, I'll be honestly saying this adaption left me feeling pretty lukewarm. Uh, it started off fairly strong, but with each passing week it became more and more apparent to the director didn't really know how to handle a lot of these stories. And by the end, it felt kind of messy. I Are mean, you talking about director? You mean the, the Japanese yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, show yeah, director? Uh, yeah, Japanese show director. Oh, okay. And, okay, yeah. I mean, I didn't feel strongly enough about it to say it's like an outright trade wreck, but uh, for something with this kind of pedigree to leave me so cold in some ways it's probably worse and i mean i'll feel pretty confident saying i'll probably forget about the 2017 version after a few months which is a uh, kind of a shame uh, but it did get me to check out the original which i'm digging so far um, so between that keto it so between old keto and the new one i would reason i would eat almost immediately for someone to narrow to the new one i mean ah old one bad <laughs> no, I mean, no, that, no, that's what's good i'm I'm glad that more people say, yeah, go check out the new one. <laughs> the old one, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, uh, no. Yeah, old, old, old. My bad. So, anyway, the old version has, like, a real sense of mystique and a dream to it, whereas this one just kind of feels like it wants to be, like, really cool and dynamic, which doesn't really seem to fit the material. So, uh, yeah, go watch the old one in high dive. But then, like, as far as the dub's concerned, like, the dub, I mean, the dub for this one is fine. Like, I can't really muster up any serious complaints about it. It's... Okay, like, it does the material fine for what the material is, and the 2003 version does the material fine for what the material is. Uh, but, like, I obviously prefer the 2003 material, so 
Not like say why I kind of went a little bit more towards that, Doug, but th this one is fine for what it is. Really? That that is interesting to me that y you would say that the like just quality of dubs itself, like you can't even say like one is equal to the other. You would actually say that you liked the 2003 dub better than the 2017 dub. As as yeah, I mean like for like I mean like for what the kind of for the kind of show Kido is supposed to be, I guess I did the 2003 version kind of gets that a little bit more. Whereas this is just kind okay. of more like a, you know, like standard anime dub, which is, you know, fine, but it's just kind of like, it's an anime dub. <laughs> God forbid they make an anime dub for an anime. <laughs> Clutch the pearls, what a sneaky thing to do. <laughs> okay, alright. Um, well, uh, I think that's uh, everyone we've discussed. Jamal, Jamal, uh, I'm going to let you off of the fishing pole here, and, um, well, take it away. Okay, before I get to the dubs themselves, I just, I just want to talk about the show in general. Because I think with Kino's Journey, the new one, it's kind of here and there with its elements. Why the original version just goes all the way with the story beats. Because they both provide shock and awe, but one in a good way, one in a bad way. Because here's the thing. Uh, some of the episodes I watched... Some of the original episodes I watched, some of the countries I've seen, they don't show up in the new version. That really, that really pisses me off. Because, okay, for example, the old lady in episode 10 of the original. The Tale of Mechanical Dolls? Yes. Alright. I watched that one morning and not only was I in shock, I broke down heavily. Like, I cried for maybe about wow. three minutes straight. Because here's the thing. At the time of this recording, it, it had been about four years... It had been about four years to the day... Almost to the day I lost my grandmother. So seeing that episode just... It, I want to say it hits me harder than a sack of bricks. But trust me, there is no brick that's enough to hit me harder with, man. Like... I, wow. I had, to, I had to stop. I had to leave my house take a breather and come back before I can watch it anymore. It's just, I'll get, I don't get some of these stories that are shocking are like, the last episode of the original is what, episode 12 of the new one? Mm -hmm. That caught me way off guard, the end result. If you want to know what the end result of that was, you're going to have to see the show itself. Because I'm not, that is one thing I am not going to spoil for you. Mm -hmm. It's definitely something that we, you all gotta watch it un uninitiated like we're not gonna even give you a clue yeah so and i can I see now why you like this show noah it's it's just i just wish they kept the same story beats like if anything you could probably just rearrange some of the episodes of the new one and make a viewing order identical to the old one but even then you still wouldn't have the same feeling and i think in some ways, story-wise, the 2003 was superior, but the dub does kind of show its age a bit. The new ones, it could have used, it could have been a bit more fleshed out its story, but the dub was pretty, I wouldn't say it's more or less better, it's, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. It, it really is. I don't know how to put it one way or the other. All I do know is that people who are fans of the original, some of the people I follow on Twitter, who are fans of the original, kind of consider this new one kind of not canon. And I, and I can understand why, but 
But I, I just can't break myself to say that. I really can't. That's really interesting uh, that some people wanted to discontinue this entirely. And, and trust me, I understand what they're coming from because as a fan, I'm a fan of a huge show that has both a classic and a newer version. And trust me, the newer version definitely had some flaws. But I, in certain ways, I can't really discount it for a number of reasons. But I would just say, if if you want something that's deeper philosophical, you go to the old one. If you want something that's uh, vibrant and entertaining, you go to the new one. But as long as both of them, at least in some way, try to stay to the original source, I think you'll be okay for now. As for the dubs themselves, yeah, the old one does kind of show age a bit, but the, this is the first time I've ever heard of Kelly Cousins. And it's kind of a shame she retired, because I have a feeling she would sound good in a lot of newer dubs today, but every, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, and it, like you said, Hardy, she's got, th there are other actresses who can sound almost identical to her anyway. Like, actually, um, I didn't hear so much of Terry Doty, but I definitely heard an Am uh, Amber Lee Chambers uh, kind Connors. of voice. In, Connors, sorry, in her acting. Yeah. And not and not so. or not only that because it's an ADV dub they do tend to re they did tend to reuse a lot of some of the same actors I mean I can count how many times I've heard Vic Mignogna in the old dub. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that probably is the one important contention I would have on that dub. Like yeah, a little bit too much Vic. Him, Kyle Kobe <laughs> Jones, Michael Rial, who else? Anyway, it, it just. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, pr I think Vic showed up twice in the in the old version. Like he showed up as the the crazy king, and he was also a hypnotist who shows up near the end of the series. Uh, He's also he was, he was also one of the slave traders. Yeah, <laughs> that ate people. What the fuck? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, that the um yeah. Like I said, uh, slavery did show up in the original series, but in a very very dark way. Whereas he showed up in the new one in a country of liars, which what. Fuck, man. What the like, fuck? Well, about the country or about the acting? No, the country, because, you know, this guy, he thinks he killed his fiance. And, all the re and you, and, oh, I, I, oh, I don't want to spoil that episode, but all I know is it's a huge what the fuck. Let's put it that way. And you, it's the episode of Kyle Phillips today. Anyway. No, no, you're right. You're right. That was... Uh, uh, if I can just take the mic then on this one to yeah, talk about my own do. thoughts. Please do. This is okay. Uh, there's a lot of things I could say about the comparison between the two, but it all boils down to this: the new version wants to entertain you, the old version wanted to make you think, and that is something that is not carried across very well in the 2017 version because there are a couple of episodes that just don't work in the new version. Uh, as far as making you think about, like, contemplating your life. The Liars episode, for example, it, it's a Shyamalan ending episode of, you know, she wasn't dead all along. That kind of twist ending. But it doesn't really do anything to make you think about uh, society, life, development, people around you, anything like that. It just kind of makes you wonder, wow, these people really need to pay attention better. Or the Electro Wave episode uh, about... These people think that they're being controlled by waves that, you know, make you act like a criminal, but no, actually, they're just being terrible people. Like, 
it, it, I think the idea of that was that people are supposed to um, take accountability for what they do and can't blame it on external resources. But the direction on it in trying to have, you know, explosions and excitement and all sorts of fun, ooh, ah stuff just takes away from that way too much. Yep. Whereas the, the original series I love for many reasons, but the main thing really does come down to the direction by Nakamura because he would slow down, he would have you contemplate, would play silence, and he would uh, pace the episodes in a way that you could get multiple meanings out of it depending on you know how you already thought going into it. A good example is my favorite episode of the original series, which is the Three Men on the Rails episode, an episode where three men are, one of them is cleaning the tracks, the next one is breaking the tracks, the next one is rebuilding the tracks, all spaced out far enough from apart from each other that they don't know that the other one is going to undo their work behind them. And they've been doing the same work for 50 years. It can You can look at it from a Marxist perspective. You can look at it from a, well, you shouldn't be working a job that you hate or you should pay attention to what you're doing with your life mentality. Like, that will make you think. And it doesn't even flat out say what the answer is. You, you can come to it yourself. Very few of the direction of the episodes are directed in a way in this reversion that really make you think that. Like, you can even compare the Coliseum episode to the old version and say, okay, the original version was making you think about the injustice of a society that is based on violence and not taking care of its citizens because, you know, we like explosions and oohs and ahs. Whereas the original version just wants to give you the oohs and ahs. And yeah, Kino becomes a bit of a nihilist who tells everyone, hey, everyone, fight each other to the death. Have fun. Yeah. So yeah, I, I have to recant something. Um, when we recorded the School Live episode months ago, only one episode of Kino's Journey had come out, which was The Land Where People Can Kill, which I th think is probably the strongest episode in the show because I told everyone to go watch this new version right after that. 12 episodes later, and I'm not really feeling it so much anymore. This was very much a letdown in terms of wanting a philosophical, mind-thinking sort of adventure. And we really didn't get it in this one, and I'm so, so ashamed of that. Still follow the whole thing, and there's parts to enjoy, and I will by no means say that the dub actors did a bad thing, because they all filled their roles really well. It sounded like they were all having a lot of fun with it, too. There's a lot of background information on Twitter and about the recording sessions where everyone was enjoying it. It's just not the... This is not my Kino. Like, this, this is not my Kino at all. And I'm really, really sorry that Lurch decided to change this up so much from the source material. Like, I like Lurch. Lurch has made some of my favorite series from the past couple of years. They made Assassin's Classroom. They made School Live. They made... They made um, Konohana Kitan, but this is a really low mark on the register, and I have to chalk it all up to the direction, because this really shows how you can take the same source material, the same stories, the same countries, and just kind of want to do something so different with it that you change the overall outcome of it. Yeah. It's not a bad show, it is just not the Kino's journey that I think any of us came into this expecting. And the fact that a lot of people who checked out the old version after hear, watching this one, makes me happy because more people need to check out the original. Yeah, I just say, I can say it in four words, the magic isn't there. Well, that is, um, unfortunately, that is uh, our job. Uh, that's what we get paid the big bucks for, to uh, please the people. Um, thank you all, uh, by the way, thank you all three for being here. Um, I have uh, emailed you your Target coupons as compensation for this episode. 
Well, speaking of uh, target practice, um, if you would like to watch Kino's Journey, um, wow. uh, honestly, like I, I wouldn't say don't watch this. I do think that you should actually like try a couple episodes for yourself and get an idea, you know, if you like it or not. But if you'd like to watch the 2017 version, Kino: The Beautiful World, it's up on Funimation.com. They have it available in dub. And if you would like to get a free 14-day trial to watch all of their dubs, you can do so by signing up. Um, you do have to provide credit card information though, so if you only want to use the trial and don't want to be charged after that, just keep that in mind. However, I highly doubt that you will not want to give them your money because they have a ton of great shows, new simul dubs every single week. They are like cranking out the anime like there's no tomorrow. Like you would have to no sleep, no food to catch up on all the shows that they've got. Or if you would like a to actually watch the 2003 version, which is just called Kino's Journey. It is available over on Sentai Filmworks streaming service, highdive.com. And that is also a service that you can get a free trial for one week if you'd like. You also have to include credit card information. Um, they charge $4 a, month for, um, $4 a month for their services. And they equally have a ton of anime out there, like everything from the ADV and Sentai Filmworks catalog, new simulcasts every week, and of course, the most wonderful Kino's Journey, except for the episodes that they didn't license because there's still a couple of parts of the franchise that no one in Japan gave over to America and will never ever get them, but that's okay. If you would like to follow us, the Dub Talk Podcast, we have a Twitter account, which is at Dub Talk Podcast, um, or you could subscribe to this YouTube channel, which if you're watching this somewhere that is not on YouTube, please let us know because we need to report that ASAP. Um, I think we have, uh, we have a couple of other social media accounts, but the main ones to follow is the Twitter account because that is the one that we update most frequently and or hijack so that one of us can post something that we want to. I know that Andrew and Roots has done that a couple of times. I don't think any of us here have ever done that, so we're all good individuals. I posted a goat once. Oh, yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I have to post a birthday greeting now that I think about it. Thanks for reminding me. Yes, Jamal is the awesome man. If you ever see uh, birthday posts on our uh, Twitter account, Jamal's the one who always puts the images together for that. Unless it's for Erica Mendez, so that's Jet, probably. All right, so it's a du we'll call it a dual effort then. Speaking of Jamal, Jamal, would you like to uh, tell us where we can follow you and everything else that you do on the interwebs? Uh, yeah, I'm on YouTube with Jamstar1. I'm also helping Lilac with editing these videos. I can also be found on Chapstar529 by Twitter, where right now I'm currently failing at the year of One Piece, but once I get enough time, I'm going to get back on track. You could do the year of uh, Digimon uh, with uh, me and Jet, which reminds me, Jet, uh, do you want to plug uh, your projects as well? Okay, yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter at my nigga, where I'm like usually just uh writing about anime or cartoons or whatever. <clears throat> if I, uh, like they were saying, I'm also currently hosting a, a group watch called Year of Digimon where we go over um, all the uh, various Digimon series that have been dubbed, everything from uh, Digimon Adventure up to Digimon Fusion, Sons, that of Squad, because Toei uh, decided to not have that available anywhere, apparently. Uh, and we are not filthy pirates, right? Yep, we are not filthy pirates, and uh, you just really need to watch that one anyway. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> well, now you got me curious about it. 
Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. Besides that, you can also follow me on my blog, Animation Infinity, where I like occasionally write reviews or ideas about cartoons or whatever. And uh, to be honest, basically it for me. Oh, uh, you're also on another podcast. You forget. Oh yes, I am also occasionally on podcast over there where. Uh, we uh, just usually talk about like uh, recent news, just few breeds, that kind of thing. All right, um, Hardy, are you on many, many other podcasts as well? Not really, just this one. But uh, you can find me on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy. Uh, I am also one of the moderators over at Funimation's forums and on Funimation's Discord, uh, so you can find me there. Um, I basically just post a lot of food porn and goat pictures and so come hang out awesome and uh i am noah clue and i am available on twitter at noah clue and i also have a youtube channel which is journey traveler um if i ever decide to do something with that channel you can say that you're one of the awesome people who checked it out first and i guess that i think that's about it for kino's journey uh ladies and gentlemen thank you for following us this far and uh, remember, it is never a bad idea to not fire your gun in a dangerous situation. And watch out for sheep. Always watch out for the dangerous sheep that are guarding the country. I don't know why they picked that as the final episode, aside from they wanted a big action piece to finish out the show. It's like, why sheep? It's like Michael why? Bay directed that episode. <laughs> <laughs> why, why not sheep, I, I ask you? What else could they have been? How, how about... Killer penguins. How about that? A field of killer penguins. Copybara. Uh, that giant angry copybaras. Uh, I know one thing about keto strategy is still be keto before and keto after. That is true. The good thing about keto is that there will always be more adventures to explore. Now we are off to our own adventures, which is saying Otaku, otaku. on, my friends. Otaku. Safe travels. Goodbye. And aloha.